podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Post-Conference Presser for Anfield Index. I'm your normal host, Dave Davis, coming to you less than a week before Christmas and ahead of the Carabao Cup game against West Ham on Wednesday night, where the Liverpool schedule is absolutely insane. Now, a bit of a difference for this one. It wasn't Jurgen Klopp, was it? It was the Pep Linders press conference, just to be honest as well. And someone kindly on uh, the Anfield Index TikTok mentioned that I'd said in an early video of a Jurgen Klopp, so said I was clueless as ever. So in true Christmas spirit, my friend, peace be with you. But we'll talk at the normal of Pep Linders Q&A, what he said, quite a bit. He said quite a bit. He was asked at the same time as well. We'll talk through the clues from the United game. Oh, we've got to do that one, I'm afraid. We'll talk through, because of the cup competition, West Ham, their threats, the impacts of that element as well. Formation and lineup, which isn't the easiest to do for a lot of people at the moment, and my predicted score and score line. So an interesting one, this one. So naturally it's a question of injuries. There were some really good questions to be fair asked. And so it was quite a bit revealing, shall we say, Pep Linders. Not everyone's his biggest fan, as we know. We've seen all the stuff, but let's get into it. So the first person question he was asked, sorry, was about Ryan Gravenberg. He said, it's not often we send a player to a scan and it's clear. So there was good news in that element. It's only Dom's delayed onset muscles syndrome or fatigue, I should say. So he's fatigued, but have to be careful. There's a possibility he can train, so that's good. And against man-marking size, he can be really useful. So then there was a bit of a question further up, but it's best linking this together. So for West Ham, we have to be careful training and let's see. So quite clear suggestion. Gravenberg could well be as expected to be in training. Doesn't mean he plays, but there you go. Then comes the bad news at the other end of the scale. Alexis. So he's asked on that, says, yeah, we'll have to give that into the new year. So the unfortunate rumours proved true. So we will not see Alexis McAllister until 2024, people. And it makes sense at this stage to kind of, because it was back and forth. I, I don't know why someone just didn't ask for a full injury update and probe on players, but he gave bits and pieces. So let's jumble them, jumble them together, should I say. Jota, closer and closer was the phrase he used. So we're hoping he's back in full training by the end of the week was the intimation given. So an outside chance for Arsenal, possibly the squad, but that, that's a positive. Robbo, closer and closer, but a, a bit few weeks away. No talk about badge, no mention of 
Thiago either. Now, there's a couple of ways you can take that. You could say that Jurgen Klopp did already give them and it's going to be a while for Badge. Probably he's the worrying one because they're just not giving any type of real update again. They're just almost avoiding it, it, it seems. And obviously, when he's been in photos, you'd hope there's a positive there. But hey-ho. The other side to this as well, Thiago, obviously, he's been in photos. So people are hoping, like he's in that 200 Salah shirt, wasn't he, that people are close. But we can't rely on that at all. The worst news is... Ben Doak has a serious injury and will require surgery. So it's really mixed. There's a one positive, a few positive-ish, you could say, but there's a few that it's just getting a bit nervous now, isn't it? The squad's getting thinner around the busiest period. So we'll all have our thoughts on that. And naturally, he was asked about this being a decisive moment. He said, it's the first half of the season. We like to create a base. We want to be in or bring Europa to the knockout stages. And after Christmas, we want to be around the top floor, but close to the front. In the new year, we want to reach finals. And the boys show a lot of passion to compete in this competition. Bit of almost a nothing answer, I think. I get what he's trying to say. They're trying to build the hype on because it's a huge week. Let's not pretend. You've got West Ham, you've got Arsenal. They're big, big games. And especially after Sunday's disappointment against United. There's what we can take forward there. Then I'll probably say the better questions came in the second half as well. So asked about assessing other teams in the Carabao and how it sits in the competition. He said, yeah, it's an interesting competition. If we want to compete in all four, we need the full squad available. Everyone wants to compete and be on their toes. You see, though, you need a full squad to win football games when the calendar becomes like this. And we've shown how when the subs came in, they can be the difference. And that's what some of the boys did. What I like about this competition a lot, it gives some young players an opportunity and you can play in finals, which Liverpool look to play in. Kind of hedging all his bets, but I'll talk about my natural predicted lineup and formation and all that type of thing. But for me, it's a bit of an intimation here of how he sees the line or how they might see the lineup. The mention of kids specifically as well, I'll come to that. But the other thing that we should talk about is it's still a great chance to win a competition. There's an argument, and hear me out on this, that this could be Liverpool's best chance to win a competition because the Premier League, we know we're competing against the toughness of that. The Europa still got some big hitters in. This is the quarterfinals people were in. You win this, you win the semis. You know how close you are, the two-legged semis. At the same time as well, look at who's left. Chelsea and Newcastle are playing each other, so one of them is going to go. They're probably the biggest teams or the biggest names left in the competition. There's Port Vale, Chesterfield, and one of the others. At the same time, Everton are there. Now, Everton, you know, they're going, well, this season, take aside their points deduction. But what you would look at and say is none of the Premier League's Big hitters. I know people are going to you say Chelsea and Newcastle there, no doubt spell. I'm not trying to belittle them in any way. But on paper, you can make the case this is the easiest competition for Liverpool to win. And as Pep Linders indicated, it's about winning trophies. Now, I know people are going to be screaming at this and saying, oh, no, just send the kids. It's all about... And, and I understand that. You will have your thoughts. We're not going to, you know, not trying to change that. I'm not trying to argue that. But I think this will go into the thinking a little bit, which we'll come to on the team and my predicted lineup later. Then was asked a really good question. He actually called it a good question on 
how Nunes is going on from Paul Joyce in the 10 games and that type of thing. A, a rightful question to ask. So he said that Darwin is full of confidence. If only just players on goals, it would be so unfair. It was always about the collective. For instance, in the past, when Mo wasn't playing well, it was Sadio. When Sadio, it was Bobby. So there's that. I feel there's a good connection between Mo and Darwin, the way they help and assist each other. I feel above everything that Darwin is playing a much better season than last year. The way he defends for the team, the way he controls the centre, his chasing back and his counter-press. A long time we've played with a false nine. And Darwin's always in the last line, maybe too high at times and offside. And he giggled there at that, maybe understandably. But this, and in the moment, he's learning, which I like a lot. But the discussion is this guy is full of fire, which are guys like. He has what we need to lead the line. He could only become better, which is a good thing. It's always natural with goals that if you create a lot, the goals will come. And sometimes you have to be a bit lucky. I get some points to some points, uh, I'm a bit unsure about, I'd have to be honest on that. Yeah, it is it's a bit newer. It, it's not the old system we've had historically for, for so long. There's that. Nunes has had that adaption period. You know, we mentioned it's a, that Nunes is playing a better season than last year to a point. I mean, he's had a good start. Let's be clear on Darwin. He's had a good start. Anyone who's saying anything different with everything that's going on is just talking nonsense. He had a good, strong start. The problem has been it's tailed off massively in these last few games. Now, I know it's 10 without a goal, but it's recently you're really starting to see that because he used to be a, a chance magnet, didn't he? Just get chances galore and it was his conversion. I think the most notable in a negative sense difference that you've seen in Darwin recently, he's not creating or getting that many chances, is he, realistically? He doesn't always seem in the positions, especially against United. He seemed a bit a bit reluctant at times, at times to put, put himself in there. Not all the time, but he just looked devoid of confidence. There's just a worry the longer this goes on, we might not have even seen the trough of this realistically and where Darwin's confidence could dip to. And that plays a part for me. Now, the other thing to say about Darwin is the energy needs to be consistent. It's okay to say he's not been good recently. It's okay for people to say, I'm, you know, the, the jury can't stay out forever. and all. I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not attacking that. What I'm saying is there seems a lot of strong takes on Darwin. I don't see much of the same level of analysis for Luis Diaz. Okay, this isn't saying to attack everyone. It's just about consistency. Luis Diaz is not in a good period either. He's not really on form. He's, I mean... You've seen the last few games has been taken off. Even against United, just wasn't beating his man at all. He's offering little himself. Gakpo, yes, people argue he's come off the bench back and forth. And you can argue, yes, that he plays a multitude of positions. So jack of all trades, master of none, it seems to have been this season. Whereas last year, you almost you thought he was the Bobby replacement, didn't you, when Nunes was stuttering? But when he's come on, he's having a bit of an impact. I wouldn't deny that. But there's been games, like especially recent ones in the Cup, like the Union SG away, Sheffield United. He's done very, very little, practically nothing. And I mean, especially in the, the last Union SG one away, he's practically invisible. So what I mean is I do not see that consistency of analysis. All the forwards are faltering slightly. The difference is Mo Salah slightly faltering, if you want to call it that, and not being up to his level makes him play very well instead of exceptionally. That's just what we've come to expect with Mo Salah. But 
Also, there's the element that he seems to be dropping deep and everyone talks about inverters. You're, just, you're not seeing people go to the byline, making things happen. Essentially, there's no forward that's really firing at the moment. And we are missing probably Diogo Jota, who's not the, the greatest of players in his build-up. And obviously, people, we can discuss his game that way, but he's our second highest goal scorer. Arguably, arguably the best finisher at the club. So that's just the thing on Darwin. It's right to ask questions. It completely is natural. We should be doing that. But the energy has got to be consistent for all the other forwards. That's all. Another player that came on the block was Dominic Zaboslai. So naturally, Lindis was asked about him. He said, he's 22. He's so young. We are really happy that he's made the impact and we know what he's capable of. The only way to come back to the standards he has is to work harder, to work better as he constantly plays games. I'm not saying... He's not working harder, to understand me right. But he has this character he wants to show and be important for the team. As long as he fights, he'll come back to his best. Last year, everyone saying we need to renew the midfield and always be more difficult or... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Less good moments in the season, but we're really happy he's with us. Yeah, it's a sad one, isn't it, for Zabos Lyon? I mean, he came out the trap so strong, didn't he? It was unbelievable. Really was for the first part of the season. The initial stage is so crucial and so good. Has started to falter. I think you've got to be honest on that. And it's not that... He's been playing rubbish all the time or anything like that. There's been some average performances. Like even against Sheffield United, he still scores the goal. It wasn't the best overall, but a goal. So, you know, it should be getting recognition for that. But there's just been a few recently. It's just, you can see, not quite clicking. Now, there's quite a few articles and bits kicking around on this. There's a great one from Sam Maguire to shout that out if anyone's not seen it. It's no coincidence that his stats, his overall performance diminishes when it seems to be him and Gravenberg. There's something about that balance that doesn't seem quite right, does it? Doesn't seem to click when then to. Maybe it's the trying to play the same game, but you need that variation, as we know, between our left side of day and the right side of day. I do think that is something specifically that a few people have shouted out as well and starting to recognise. But essentially, just focusing on Zabozlai, it's not quite happening for him at the moment. And as Linda said, it would great to be able, be able to see him come back to form. And the final one, which is a good question to call out from the, the question section, is Carvalho. Now, Linda's quite uh, danced around it a bit on for me. So we have to make good decisions on him. He needs rhythm and a player with rhythm is a different player. So to keep playing a player with confidence and who trains in a certain way is different. But it's not up to me. It's up to our director to speak with the club and find the best solution. We want the best for him and he's our, as he's our player. 
but no decision made. Yeah, it's... I mean, we spoke about this on many pods. It's been an unmitigated disaster, hasn't it, really, that that Carvalho loan, he's hardly played any minutes in less than 300 at last count, unless there's any extras now. Been on that Leipzig bench all the time. It's an interesting one, because as soon as those sort of stories leaked, there was a a few from Germany came out, didn't they, that with Forsberg, Emil Forsberg has now left Red Bull Leipzig and gone to New York Red Bull, so he's moved to a different franchise for them. There are... Carvalho will get those minutes become important. Just felt a bit timely, didn't it, that way? I personally am not convinced of that at all. But we don't know the exact terms of the contract, do we? We don't know exactly if Liverpool did register Carvalho, because if he has, he can't play for a third club. But if they did not at all, which I think many believe that is the case, then that comes into factor. But no one knows like with the compensation for Leipzig, how it's all going to work. So it's very much a wait and see. And the biggest thing to probably count against him staying, I would suggest, is Germany's got the winter break, hasn't it, coming up? So it's great that Red Bull, or sorry, well, yeah, Leipzig, the franchise, however you want to call them, now with Forsberg moving, but Leipzig, you're not going to use him quickly, are you? So in that regard, a decision has to be made. But yeah, that was the cue, or the key, Q&As from that one. Now, we are going to have to do this, people. This is a proper prime suspect-style moment where we're going to pull back the sheet on the body that is lying freezing for purposes. And Helen Mirren, it was Helen Mirren, prime suspect, I think. Ask your dad if you're not sure. But, yeah, we're, we're going to have to review this performance. So, nil-nil. 34 shots. You saw the XG. Technically, on the stats, Liverpool dominated. They did dominate possession. Let's be clear on that. But the honest thoughts, it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it? The first 15 minutes, everyone was pumped. It was energetic. And Onana made a few saves, like from Van Dijk's corner, or sorry, Trent's corner, Van Dijk's header. But there was very, very little to write home about. We didn't have him diving all over. We didn't have them throwing bodies all the time. It was just symptomatic of how it's been. Let's be honest, we've been pretty poor in recent games, but we've won. And it, we've talked about that. It's about getting over the line. Now we've just been a bit poor in this one and not got over the line. And it was right that a few left with frustrations, questions around certain areas of the team. Now you have to be consistent and honest in this. The back five, including... Well, six, yeah, let me say back six or... Back five and Endo, however you want to put it. Let's just, you know, stop splitting hairs. Played well. I do believe that. But the centre-backs, Alisson makes a, a great save as well. They were good. At the same time, Simicus had a decent game. I think he won a few good interceptions against Anthony. Trent tried, probed, and he obviously moved position. He was very, very close with one chance. So you give them pass marks, those six players. The problem is you start moving further up the pitch. And I, I'm going to give Salah a pass, but it didn't quite happen for Mo. It's just because of the unbelievably high standards we set in. But he wasn't bad. He played, you know, he played some good passes and it could have been different, but it wasn't to his normal standards that you expect. And the, the other forwards, Nunes and Diaz, pretty poor. So Bosley hauled off early, told its own story. Gravenberg, if I think if he hadn't been injured, would have been hauled off, really. It's not happening for 
those two players especially and together. I think that's a key focus. That, that balance just doesn't sit right. Let me be crystal clear, and it's almost ahead of Arsenal where I think we should be. We're, doesn't, we're not going to get McAllister back, so that's not good. So Bosley and Grav on the set or in the same midfield does not work for me personally. Yeah, I think Curtis Jones is so so important against Arsenal. I know we've talked about West Ham, but that needs to play a factor, which we'll talk about in the lineup. That Curtis Jones is in our strongest midfield for me. That is absolutely clear. Ryan, I know we talk about playing the way in and out, and people are going to talk about the injury, but based on form recently, Ryan Gravenberg has played his way out of that strongest line. I didn't really, he was never in there for me. That doesn't make him a bad player and he's had good form in the cup competitions, but it's hard, isn't it, with the lineup, which we'll come on to. But yeah, for me, you've got to start looking at, almost, you've got to have the eye on Arsenal and think, what's the strongest midfield? What do I want to put out there? And Ryan Gravenberg doesn't start that one for me. But let's talk about West Ham because we'll come on to the, the lineup later. I mean, they're an interesting team because he gets a lot of pillaging, doesn't he? And, and things thrown at him, David Moyes. But they're eighth with 27 points. I mean, they're only, let's say only, eight points or so off the, the top four. They're, they're a weird in the sense they've won eight but lost six. And obviously, we beat the manfield in the, the league. They've drawn three. They get goals and they've got threats. We need to come on to that. The other big thing we need to talk about is this will be their look at it, their best chance of winning a trophy. I know they got to or won the Europa Conference last year, but they're in the Europa this year, like we are, so they'll be looking at that. They're not going to win anything in the league, like the FA Cup, they're instead. They will look at this and think, if we can knock out Liverpool, we've got a real shot here. We know how to do two legs as well from the, the Conference League. This is a real threat of a team. Let's not pretend. So they will be bang up for this. They could almost feel like this is the big chance for our season. So that's a real worry. The other side is they've got goals. Whatever anyone says, they have got goals in abundance. Jared Bowen, 11. Kudos. I mean, what a signing that boy's been for them from Ajax. He's at nine already. Even Suchek, seven. You know, that. They have got goals in that side. They are a real threat. And especially Jared Bowen's away record is incredible. I mean, he scored at Anfield, didn't he? So there are threats galore in this West Ham team. This is a really tough game. Almost as tough is to predict Liverpool's lineup. Freaking nightmare, I'm going to be completely honest on this. I think Kelleher starts in that the back four is hard, really hard to predict. But based on what Pep Linders said, I would not be too surprised if one of the kids, so to speak, was in there, be it Chambers, be it Bradley. It wouldn't actually surprise me that much, just to be clear, if both were in the lineup. But I think it's going to be Chambers. And I'm not saying that with confidence. It could well be Bradley. But I think Chambers will start on the left. I'm swithering. My actual gut, even as it now, I'm sort of swithering. I'm not saying this with any confidence. I think Quantz is going to be in that centre-back role. That's absolutely a given. I get a sneaker because of the quarterfinals and everything. I would not be surprised if Virgil van Dijk, having been left at home, not even travelled to Belgium last week, starts. So I think it could well be van Dijk, Quantz. 
I think Joe Gomez will play right back. And I think Luke Chambers will play left back. I am not surprised if it's Chambers and Bradley on the right or Bradley and... and so nothing's going to surprise me. It's such a hard one to predict, but that's where I'm going at this stage. Ahead of Arsenal, I think Curtis Harvey Elliott starts in this on the right, Curtis Jones on the left, and I think it'll be Endo in the holding role. Now, Endo's not played a lot of football. He's played in the Cup, so he should be fit for that. But that's how I think it will pan out. Now, I think there'll also be rotation at the same time. So, I expect Trent to come on at some point in that regard, and I would not be surprised at all. I'm even leaning towards, you know, he may well start in midfield against Arsenal. Now we've got the Alexis McAllister news, but that is how I think it will be. The forwards. Now, we know Ben Doak is out. This is really tough. I think this is going to be a stronger lineup than many of us predicted. I think it will be Mo Salah on the right-hand side. I think it will be, and they could well alternate here, Cody Gakpo in the middle and Darwin Nunes on the left. Now, this is a lineup I really am swithering between. And thinking it again, it's a bit ahead to Arsenal, but Arsenal's the biggest game of the season so far, isn't it? So, you know, I think we need to be clear on that. That's mine, I'm sure, everyone else's personal feeling. Maybe not, who knows? But your strongest lineup you've got to have in your mind for Arsenal. We would love someone to grab the freaking shirt. I'd love Darwin to buy the, you know, when it's kind of hope rather than expectation now or anything like this. But I would not be surprised to be thinking, I need to keep it tight now against Arsenal the way we've been, that Cody Gappo is in his mind in the centre and Diaz. I, nothing would surprise me with these forwards at all. It really wouldn't. But that is what I am predicting loosely. Salah, Gakpo, Nunes on the left. And then obviously it just leaves the prediction for the score and the scorers. I don't know why. I've just got a sneaker of 1-1 and then it goes to penalties. There's no extra time in this, is there? So 1-1 and it goes to penalties and Mo Salah will score. I don't say anything with a lot of confidence. It, we've been getting results, but we've not been playing well. Against United, we didn't play well and we didn't get the result we wanted. Yeah, Liverpool need to turn this around fast. Momentum's a big thing in football, which we don't really talk about, but it needs to happen and it needs to happen fast. It's a big night. It's Anfield under the lights. Hopefully, we're not talking about atmosphere. Hopefully, we're not talking about VAR. Hopefully, we're talking about Liverpool in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. But ladies and gents, that was another post-conference presser for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. 
Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.